0: Hey, what is going on, everyone? It's me, Mr. Mario, and welcome back to another episode of Mod Chat. For those who do not know, this is a podcast I do here at least monthly. We're only going to be doing it once this month here, but either way, I do it at least monthly in two different forms. First of all, it is available in a video visual form here in a few places. It's available on the Mr. Mario 2011 YouTube, Odyssey and Rumble channels. So if you're wanting to check it out and actually see something on screen, sometimes that's really helpful for show and tell as well. You can check that out in a video visual form. However, I did say this is a podcast, so if you'd like to take it around and listen to wherever the hell you want to, like an actual podcast, you can do that as well too. Simply look up Mod Chat, all one word, on your favorite podcasting app, host, or provider, and you should hopefully be able to find it. I know it's not available on all platforms, but it's available on most of them for the most part. Either way, this is a show where I talk about things that are in the world of video game modding and video game console modding, things that I find new, interesting, cool, that I want to talk about, elaborate, show, and really talk to you all about right here. And that's exactly what we're doing for this month of July 2023. Uh, Now, this one is a little bit of a interesting episode i would say because most of the topics we're covering in fact i think probably all of them or most a majority of them i would say are covering older hardware uh like nothing really new uh is what i'm saying here so uh if you want to take a little bit of a trip down a new old memory lane uh, i guess we'll go ahead and do that and lily's kind of going to be hanging out in the corner i <laughs> look at her tail right there that's hilarious either way let's just get on to the topics here so I bet you all weren't thinking that we were going to start off with Dreamcast of all things but here we are I end up seeing this over at the Dreamcast junkyard and I thought this was pretty interesting why because it's something new kind of for the Dreamcast you know we'll get into this this is a translation but also I do like visual novels I've been playing them the last few years I personally really enjoy them either way here from Lewis Cox they say I'm gonna try Nakaruru i I believe that's it the gift she gave me samurai showdown spinoff for dreamcast translated into english and i actually totally forgot this was a spinoff of a samurai showdown super cool after nearly two years of hard work i'm absolutely elated to inform you that a team consisting of Derek pascarella dura lumen marshall wong and myself have completed our English translation of Nakururu, and uh, the rest of it is just that the original Japanese title here, but translated it is the gift she gave me for the Sega Dreamcast. And today you'll be able to play it. Being a fan favorite character of SNK's beloved Samurai Showdown fighting franchise known as Samurai Spirits in Japan, it's only natural that Nakaruru would get her own spin-off game. SNK granted developer Interlet the privilege of crafting a story that explored her character in finer detail, with the result being Nagaruru, the gift she gave me. As we've decided to dub it, a Japan-exclusive visual novel game released for Windows in 2001, with an improved Dreamcast version releasing a year later in 2002. Uh, To take a source material known for its intense arcade fighting thrills and adapt it into a quiet, heartfelt text-based adventure was definitely intriguing, so much so that it made us want to produce an English translation almost two decades later. To translate the game into English was no small feat. However, with over 12,000 lines of text, our translation of Nakururu was going to take us more than a year to produce. But it honestly feels like the time has flown by because the more we worked on translating the scripts, the more we fell in love with the game's plot and characters. And we have a couple of screenshots here as well too, just showing this. I'm not going to be reading out the entire uh, post, mind you here, because if you want to give it more of a read, you can absolutely do so. However, of course, as I said, this is a translation, but another cool thing here is that's mentioned, uh, also translated are the game's VMU applications. And for anyone who does not remember or know, this is the memory card for the Dreamcast that it used and it did have a screen and there were even games that had applications that you could do things with on here which was really cool. So either way going back to this it says also translated are the game's VMU applications which are simple but charming. As part of this game's unlockable extra content players have the ability to download one of four clock applications to their VMU four of the main characters are each featured separately in these applications. And there's also a bonus disc that is available Available, and they say here this is unique to our translation release. What Derek packaged together using the power of the Dream Passport browser is a collection of goodies relevant to the main game. These include a 30-minute pilot episode of the cancelled Nakaruru anime adaption, complete with fan-subbed English subtitles, not by us, and two wonderful renditions of songs featured in the game from members of its voice cast. Finally, a 100% fully unlocked save file is also available to download to your VMU, granting players access to all of the games built in extra content. And finally here, they do say if you want to give this a download, you can go over to the GitHub page and they have steps for patching it. However, they say it is highly recommended for ODE users to take a look at some extra important tips in order to enjoy the best gameplay experience possible. For those who don't own a Dreamcast, it is incredibly easy to set up an emulator on your computer. And the last bit of news they say here is that this is the first official visual novel on the Dreamcast to receive an English fan translation, which is why this is also big for the Dreamcast itself. Uh, It's been a pleasure to work with such talented people to see this project to fruition. We sincerely hope that you too will fall in love with the game's characters and story just as we did. So let's come over and click the download patch section here, which brings us over to the GitHub page, of course. So you have a few options here. It looks like you have uh, this for the GDI format, which is for users of ODEs or emulators, CDI format for people burning to a CDR, and then these are for the bonus disc as well too. Again, if you want it in GDI or CDI format. There's a ton of extra information on here as well too, with all the patching instructions, all of the credits here, a lot of what has changed on this, some helpful tips, and here we go. Also, a note on emulators and ODEs. And this is the main thing right here. Essentially, uh, this was it. Testing was performed across the space. Spectrum on both emulators and ODEs, as well as optical disc. Interestingly, the game, both in its original form and in its patched form, has one very mild issue when played via emulators or some ODEs, causing a texture flicker in between some scene transitions. When this occurs, the on-screen characters will flicker slightly before fading away. This is caused by faster data read speeds than developers originally intended or tested against when playing via GD-ROM, which that does make sense. So it looks like if you're using the GDMU, you will need to have an authentic one here. You need to be on a later firmware available, and there's essentially going to be the option of either running the latest firmware that the GDMU has to offer, or there is a setting in the GD- VMU INI in which you can cap the read limit on there and for the mode you can essentially do the same thing here where you have a mode.cfg that you put in there. So if you're going to be using an ODE like I'm sure many people are, uh, then that's just another option that's available to you. This is even one of the better GitHub uh, release pages that I've seen as well too, there's just like look at all of this It, it covers the VMU apps as we said disc content and like the box art and everything. This is amazing. This is just excellent to see. So fantastic job overall to the team who worked on translating this. Over on the Vita side of House, on July seventh, from the Q Hin contest, which was run about two years ago, and I covered a bit on mod chat here, uh, they do state and they tweeted out uh, two years ago and a month Q Hin ended. It is time to renew the experience again. Announcing Fuhin, the new homebrew contest for the PS Vita. And there is a link here that you can check out. And right here is the Fuhin site where it is covering a... Currently, as I'm recording this, uh, and as I'm going to, you know, release it here soon, uh, they're going to be gathering funds, and they're going to be running a whole contest to really just bring about more homebrew to the PlayStation Vita community. Giving this site a quick read here, they say, Two years ago, after the success of q the love for the PS Vita and the gaming scene remained strong, even 11 years later. With the unveiling of the PlayStation Q project, it is time to make its heartbeat even faster Fu hin conveys the idea of the constancy of change despite the ps vita being released 10 years ago and receiving end-of-life updates change is still happening this is the message we want to deliver the vita scene is still alive filled with unseen and extraordinary releases and supporting its developers head straight to the details page to learn about the timeline prizes and rules which we can check out right here so right here uh, by the time this is going to be releasing it's still going to be in the section to fill up the prize pool right here so if anybody wants to donate to this contest to increase the prize pool they certainly can Uh, after that from July 22nd to September 22nd there will be a complete submission period. So for one month, People can submit their projects as long as they align with what the contest rules are for this. Uh, After that, from September 22nd to the 29th, there's going to be about a one week voting period. And at the end of September on the 29th, there's going to be the announcement. So that's really cool to see. Uh, If you are wanting to get your hands on some more Vita Homebrew, here is an awesome opportunity. If you want to donate to the prize pool, you can certainly do that right now, and it would be encouraged. If you're listening to this when the episode is still new, There's still time to do that on here, and details are on the site. Uh, And, of course, if you want to actually try to develop something and enter it into this contest, you'll have about a month to do so. So, uh, best of luck to everyone who's going to be participating in this. Now, this here is probably going to be my favorite thing that I'm covering this episode, admittedly. Uh, This is from David4599. This was just tweeted on Twitter at one point over in June, and he said here... OMG it works, self bootable PS1 CDR, no mod chip, that's a huge progress since last time but there are big reliability issues and I'm not sure that this can be fixed using my method. Increase the sound to hear the PS1 struggling to read the disc. More details below. So what we're going to do is we're going to watch this video here. It's about a minute and a half, and I'm actually going to even uh, put the desktop audio in here just so you all can see this because uh, just just listen real carefully to the PS1. It is going to be struggling, and and for anybody who does not know why this is such a big deal here because people might just say, well, you can emulate it, well, you can install a mod chip, well, you could do something such as free PSS boots tony hacks what have you Uh, those all require additional other methods to either have an entry point or just to mod the ps1 itself or of course emulation this here what david has done is with a completely stock original playstation he just has a cdr that he was able to burn a certain way he was able to burn a game onto a blank cd pop it in and it works Uh, This is what people had dreamed about back in the day. And it's so cool to see that this is now being done. Uh, So either way, let's go ahead and give this a watch here. So here we go. He has this all set up, turns on the PS1. Looks like it's going to output. So we're at the main splash right there. And as you can see, it is, it is sitting here for a while and I know I'm talking over it a bit, but I mean, I hear the disc drive on there is going crazy. So here we go. We're at the point here where it brings up SCEE because he's over in Europe. So it's doing the same thing here. Now it's going to stay here for a while, but let's just see again. And yeah, that, <laughs> that, that drive is going crazy. So end up passing that. That's good. That check was done. Here we go. We end up getting this message here, ironically enough. <laughs> uh, this was common in European releases from what I've seen, just like this uh, this anti-piracy message there. But from what, what I understand, uh, chipping was much, much more common and prevalent across the pond as well, too. So it's sitting here for a while. And here we go. We're in the game. That's cool to see. That is awesome to see. Just absolutely unbelievable. Now let's just go ahead and read his thread. He says here, "That's a long time since I didn't post. So here is a big update of the project about the burner's firmware. About forty percent of the nineteen hundred functions are more or less understood. I don't think to go higher than fifty percent. Low-level sectors reading and writing, OPC, etc., are too hard to reverse." However, this is enough to do cool mods, and also damaging the laser diode, yep, that happened. I think this is fixable though, but I need to spend time on that. Fortunately, I have a spare burner to continue experimenting. Now for the wobble recreation, and this is the important part here because for anyone who does not know, that is the main protection of the original PlayStation discs is that they have a wobble groove that is actually pressed into the original ones here. Uh, Now, talking about that, he says, now for the wobble recreation, I can finally burn the entire SCEX pattern in the lead-in area. As said in a previous tweet... This method destroys some of the lead-in data, and the PS1 struggle to read the game's table of contents, but rarely. It works, but there are still several issues making the wobble reading not reliable. The most annoying one is that the pattern is fading in the middle of the lead-in, which is almost each time where the PS1 seeks to read the wobble. See the pink trace and the incomplete yellow SCEE line, and he's got just a tool right here showing that. Uh, I think this is tied to how the tracking mechanism of the CD drive works and the light differences received by the photodiodes. It's even worse when the disc is really warped. Still searching a solution. Although another is the increased disc speed, by modding another feature of the burner, it is possible to increase significantly the pits and lands length, which will natively increase the PS1's motor speed. The goal is to stop detecting the original wobble, as said in an old tweet. The downside is that this will lower the writing and reading quality we can clearly see and hear that issue in the video. Moreover, the actual motor speed and 2x speed is around 3x, so the reading is even less reliable. I have a solution in mind, but I'm not sure of the result. Also, I may have found another method to burn the wobble by altering the tracking signal while burning, no overriding. This should be possible to do in hardware by injecting a signal to the tracking coils, but I am less good in hardware and I don't want to fry something. Instead, I found a DSP command to adjust the tracking balance and by adding some code to the firmware, I can change the value of it really fast, 3kHz while burning. That way, the PS1 is able to see the 3kHz signal, almost like is doing a real PS1 game. Obviously, 3kHz is not enough for the minimum required. Around 18 to 20 kilohertz for good wobble detection, and this is still in research. I'm planning to write some sort of blog posts, but I will need a few weeks, months, because there are so many things to document. So super awesome to see this far. Uh I will say on this, and I'm definitely I'm not trying to downplay his work by any means, but I will say for anybody who gets really excited over this, this is something to be excited over. However, anybody hoping for a release, just looking at like some of the other replies that David has had on here um, because I had replied initially just giving some props and then you know I've gotten some replies and such on that Um, from what I've seen and even as he's demonstrated on here uh, it's really he's not modifying the how do I say he's, he's not modifying the PlayStation itself of course, he is modifying a disk drives firmware and how specifically it is burning. The thing is, it is very intense on the burner. What I'm saying here is for anybody who is really expecting this to be like a new standard or something, I don't think so because from what I'm seeing, this is really awesome work, but it's not going to be as one size fits all as something such as free DVD boot, for example, where you don't need to burn the DVDs a special way. You're essentially just patching the dvd and then you're able to get homebrew discs and retail games and such to work um, through self-booting through that exploit however this here is not a exploit this is essentially just modifying the burner itself and burning the actual wobble groove onto the cdr which is incredibly impressive but Most people aren't going to have that ability on there. And like I said, this will unfortunately not be just like a special patch that you can apply or a special uh, image that you can run. Uh, This itself is going to be modifying the burner, which also is difficult on the burner, difficult on the CD, difficult on the CD drive as well, too, for the PlayStation. Um, But either way, this is just incredible work to see. I couldn't believe it when I saw it, but here we are. So, awesome work overall. You know, a lot of people truly believe that Doom has to be ported onto everything, and that's a statement that, yeah, I have no issue with. I'm not fighting it here by any means. Uh, However, it's not every day that a Doom port ends up getting uh, a good amount of news here. Uh, So, this was actually posted on GBA temp here, but they say that Doom has been ported to 8-Bit Atari, which I I don't think we've ever covered 8-Bit Atari on ModJet. So this is something different, right? Uh, now, just reading this off here, they say from uh, SeanJ66, 8-Bit Atari is the latest platform that can claim it is capable of playing Doom thanks to a new mind-blowing port. Written in assembly, the port of Doom includes cut-down versions of shareware Doom levels, excluding the secret level. Various enemies like sergeants demons imps and demons are featured with ai code derived from the original doom source code so even reading this off here they're stating that this is an atari port that was rewritten to asm optimize and fixed. double horizontal view viewfinder original doom for the vic 20 ported this is a port of id software's doom released at lost party 2023 Features, of course, as it says here, uh, cut down versions of the Shareware Dooms level minus the secret level. Uh, of course the same enemies we had talked about the ai code cut down from doom source fist chainsaw pistol shotgun and chain gun. health ammo keys weapon security and combat armor corpses exploding barrels secrets 11 music tracks converted from the original doom midi files 20 sound effects converted from the original doom pc speaker sounds cheat codes that's cool uh panning and zooming map intermission and victory screens arbitrarily angled textured walls. So this is for the Atari XL or XE it seems and we can even check out a video here. So as shown right here on the YouTube channel Saberman Retro News, this is the Atari XL or XE uh, Doom port. It is showing this all here. It does start with this little uh, I guess a uh, credit sequence, but let's even see some gameplay here, why not? Certainly, it is not the prettiest looking Doom, mind you. However, do keep in mind that this is ported to 8-bit Atari, of all things, and uh, this is still Doom. This is Doom right here. Super awesome. Uh, If you want to check out the video itself, it does have the download available for it. So you can play on an emulator or if you're able to play it on actual Atari XL or XE hardware, I don't see why you wouldn't be able to do that. Although this bit isn't necessarily news, on July 4th, there was a nice article that was written up here and I did want to give a little bit of a shout out and kind of point towards it here. Uh, It's over on GameSpot of all places. So I guess one of the more bigger gaming news sites but they say here that the OG Xbox Live is back from the dead. This is the team making it happen, and this is essentially explaining a bit of how Insignia works, and even interviewing several folks on the team right there. Now, I read it, I thought it was a good, respectful article overall, and I will read to you out loud the first bit of it, but I'm not going to read all of it, because I would recommend, if you're interested in reading this a little more about Insignia, and really getting some insight from the team themselves, this will be linked down below in the video description, and you can give it a read there. Just at the beginning there, as said by Stephen T. Wright, they state Xbox Live was born on November 15, 2002, though it wasn't the first online service offered by a video game console. It's fair to say that the original Xbox was the box that popularized the concept on an industry-wide level. Hits like Project Gotham Racing 2, Fantasy Star Online, and especially Halo 2 introduced a generation of console gamers to the concept of online play. And the world of gaming has never been the same since. And although Microsoft pulled the plug on the original Xbox Live back in 2010, a team of programmers and hackers at Insignia have brought it back to life on modded Xboxes, a triumph of engineering that serves as a reminder of the importance of digital preservation. I will say right there, uh, you know... It doesn't have to technically run on modded Xboxes. However, I did want to highlight this before we move off of this here, because this is something that is actually discussed that a lot of people have asked for. Here, quoting the article, it says, When discussing the original Xbox Live, one game certainly stands out among all others. Halo 2, considered one of the most beloved console shooters of all time. Insignia's developers get asked about it so often that Mike had a sarcastic ready-made quip in response, quote, by asking this question, you've just pushed the release date back another six months, unquote. But as Luke explains, it isn't simply a matter of prioritization. Xbox Live is made up of 20 services, and Insignia has fully implemented eight of them and partially implemented five others. However, Halo 2 requires all of them to work in concert to reach even basic gameplay. As such, there's still a long way to go before you can revisit your land party favorites with your friends over the internet. But it's clear that the team is committed to the cause. Overall, still really awesome, respectful article, getting a lot more insight from the team and interviewing some direct team members on there. And hey, I'm even gonna disclose as well too, you know, I would say I'm friends with the folks over at the insignia team, friendly with them. They have good work that they do over there, and it's awesome how many games they're adding pretty regularly. So if you haven't tried out of insignia, definitely give it a shot. But if you're interested in it at all, give this article a read. Now, at the end of these episodes of Mod Chat, I do like to cover something that is funny, odd, weird, random, whatever it might be. Just still kind of related to modding in a way. And this is actually something that I had seen a few months ago, but you know, I'm kind of pulling it up now. Uh, now, this is actually a tweet from Kaze emanuar who uh, has done some amazing ROM hacking for the N64 most notably. And uh, mostly it's been, the public ones we've seen at least have been related to Super Mario 64 where not only he has heavily modified these just to an astronomical level, but he has just made so many improvements in the modding and ROM hacking scene there. Uh, However, he always releases his code for free. It's very much a thing where you can donate to him and, you know, support him directly but all of his stuff is released for free. Uh, However, (laughs) As said here, he said uh, Walmart is selling my ROM hacks. He took a screenshot of this, and uh, certainly this is over on Walmart's site. You can see that this is a uh, this is a physical cartridge right here that is pressed up of something that he did work on, which is the Legend of Zelda: The Missing Link. Uh, so. You know, if you want a physical version of one of his games, which I don't recommend doing like not this way, at least because it's not going to support him. But if you want a physical version, uh, I guess you don't have to look all that far. You can quite literally go to Walmart. Uh, there's also some other comments as well, too, here, uh, in which this does confirm because somebody did ask, Wait, you made the missing link? I thought you only cared about Mario 64. To which he replied, My name is right there on the title screen, together with CDI and Zed. And Yakumono also said here, Even Zelda 64 Dawn and Dusk, which I worked on to some extent, is there. So, uh, again... <laughs> I guess Walmart has ROM hacks for sale. Well, that is about it for this episode of Mod Chat. I hope you all enjoyed watching this. I hope you all had a good time hanging out, listening, watching, maybe learning a bit, and being entertained as well too. Now, for anybody who makes it to the end of these episodes, I like to do a thing where I like to cover some kind of keyword or key phrase, and I'll have you all use that in the comments on whatever video upload you choose. Uh, really, at that point, I'll be able to know that you've made it to the end of this episode and don't worry if you are listening to this uh you can certainly come over to like the youtube channel for example come over to the upload and leave your comment with this keyword or key phrase Now, I had to think about what I was going to use here, and I actually had to kind of load this up, Uh, and I also wanted to show you all this as well, too. You see, uh, I did do a separate little, like, short about it, I guess, or like a TikTok or whatever, Uh, but this here, my girlfriend ended up getting this for me. She actually ended up getting two of them. I'm not a person who really messes with toasters. Uh, Like, I've had, like, one or two toasters in the past, and I get rid of them because, like, I just don't use them for, like, years, and, like, I have no need for them. Um, So, I think maybe in that, um, in her desire to not only find something cute on aliexpress but also maybe satisfy that toaster desire right there she ended getting me two of these i'm only showing you one right here but this here is a switch toaster there's absolutely no circuitry to it no electronics here but you can load it up with two nintendo switch cartridges and you can do this you can toast your switch cartridges i think it's cute Either way, uh, use the word toaster. If you use the word toaster, actually, let's make it a little bit easier. Toast. So you can use toaster if you want to, uh, or you can talk about how much you like toast, how much you hate toast. Do you want your sandwiches toasted? Do you want your bagels toasted? I do know that's kind of a big debate as well, too, where like Subway, you can optionally get your subs toasted, but then some people say that that's absolutely sacrilegious, that that's even an option to not have them toasted and that they should always be toasted. Uh, what is your opinion on? toast overall uh leave it down below in the comments on whatever video upload that you choose and i'll know that if you use the word toast in some way in your comment you've made it to the end of this video or podcast or episode either way that's about it for this episode of mod chat if you enjoyed it a like would absolutely be appreciated if you absolutely hated it you disliked it a dislike is fine as well too but as i always say this is mr mario signing off thank you all for listening and watching everyone and until next month toast. <laughs>